So we said when it comes, let's say to the Hippocratic Oath. Good morning, how are you? So the the uh, there's no since we all swore at Sinai, we all took an oath at Sinai. Every single one of us, even future Jews, okay, even South Africans, everyone was at Sinai um, to and took an oath that says that we're going to uphold all of the Torah, all 613 commandments. And amongst that, amongst the 613, is one is, if you can save someone's life, let's say the obligation to heal is amongst that. Um, the the uh, many, many of the things that's relevant, let's say in a case where we're saying you have to reveal the information to save someone else, mm-hmm. so that would be also um, those were all included at Sinai. So since you already upheld, took an oath at Sinai, the halacha is you cannot swear against the mitzvah. Meaning any time you swear not to wear tefillin, not to keep Shabbat, not to keep kosher, or you swear I'm going to eat this cheeseburger, that oath that goes against any mitzvah in the Torah is never a valid oath. That's the halacha says. Why? Because the first oath is valid. The oath that you swore to keep it, to that you won't eat cheeseburgers. So you already swore you're not going to eat cheeseburgers at Sinai. So therefore, any subsequent oath is not valid, because ain't shvua chal shvua. Okay, come here. Come here. Let me see if you, the middle seat is open. Okay, so, um, so therefore, your oath that you took at Sinai supersedes or doesn't allow the second oath to be valid. Okay, that's what we said. That's the principle. So he has a fascinating story we're going to read here in the Gemara in Yuma. It's, this Gemara, this story is actually in two places in the Talmud. Um, and very, there's a lot of interesting parts to the story. Um, very relevant, I think, as we mentioned last week, to, to the concept of um, pharmaceutical pricing and the ability, do we have the ability to... <coughs> meaning to, to to not follow copy, copyright issue. And I don't know what that's not the correct term. Not copyright patent, patent issues, things like that. Um, meaning, and as we'll see here, there's a certain aspect. As if let's say we f- someone finds the cure for cancer, just because they patented it and they're charging a hundred thousand dollars a pop for that medicine, doesn't mean that I can't save lives. If I'm aware, let's say I'm privy to that information, do I have a right to go and reveal that information? to someone who needs it, someone who's dying of cancer, but they don't have health insurance, so this company's not going to give it to them, because maybe they're still in trial, or whatever the, the case is, do I have a right to go and reveal that information, or not? To reveal what information? The, the, the remedy for uh, cancer. To, to give them the tablet, or whatever yeah. it is? Well, well you're not going to steal, I'm not talking about stealing the tablet, I'm talking about the information. I'm privy to, I worked in uh, Lilly, uh, so I worked in a pharmaceutical company. Yes, I worked in Teva, uh-huh. And now I left. I'm now uh, on my own. I'm doing. Uh, I'm retired, but I know the cure for cancer. You know the cure for that person's problem. Right, but they and won't give it out for less than a hundred thousand dollars. Right, or whatever the case. Okay. So now, do I? There's a bell. Don't worry. Oh. There's a bell there. Yeah. Someone uh, works in the office. That's their job. Let them do their job. Uh-huh. Um. So the. So the. The point is, right... But you've taken an oath when working for Well, Devin no, I didn't that say that. not reveal... I didn't say that. But let's, but let's see. Let's read the story here in the Gemara. So the Gemara oh, says like this. Right. Uh, the Gemara says... Um, so it says like this. By the way, just Teva's not such an ethical company. You say they were. We're not discussing... <laughs> it's just in passing. I don't know of any pharmaceutical company that's, uh, that's ethical. Actually, that's, uh, I don't agree with that. But that's all right. Not Teva. Okay. So, um... It says like this. 
Unfortunately. How are you? Thank you. Go make stuff at home. He's really well. I have my coat on too. That's not a coat, it's just a jacket. This coat looks scary. It's like you're going to Antarctica or something. <laughs> it isn't? So it looks like you're going to Antarctica. Um, so the Gemara says like this. The Gemara in Tractate Yuma, 84, um, begins on 84A, I believe. Let's see where I can find it. So it's discussing a oh, disease here. Sorry, when yes. a person converts, they, they, they also uh, have taken that off. Torah yes. as though they were at Sinai. No, they were at Sinai. It says even future souls oh, okay. were at Sinai. Everybody was at Sinai, including future souls. Well, that's from the rabbis, um, right? Natalie, that's for you. That's oh, Natalie. It's the rabbis that say this. It's in English. No, it's the Torah. It's a verse in the Torah. Those who are here says, and atem, not here. Right. It says, Atem et Tzavim Ayom. Um, the, the verse says, whoever is here, whoever is not here. So what does that mean? So the Talmud interprets that to mean that it means all future Jews that weren't born yet, all future generations, and including convicts. And Yes. The, so... As an aside, so everybody who's Sonic, are they necessarily coming back as Jews or not? They're not coming back well, as Jews. The assumption is they were at Sinai. Well, Only thing. future Jews were at Sinai. Future oh, uh, But they might come it? back as, as a non-Jew and then convert to we Judaism. We're not talking about coming back. They didn't come back. Their souls were there. Souls were there. So okay. they, they then come to the world. We're not saying coming back. We're not... Uh, there's no mean. second coming. One coming uh. in Judaism. <laughs> no wonder there aren't that many Jews would be pretty crowded back there. <laughs> Where? Um, Sinai would be crowded if we had like was. Well, 500 million Jews. How big is the soul? That's an excellent question. Depends who said it. It's, just, it's only soul. a placeholder. Where is the soul? You know, it's like the brain. You say Einstein's brain it was very small. <laughs> smaller the soul, the higher. Um, okay, so. So Gemara is discussing here a illness called sapidna, which I have no idea what that is. It's some type of gum disease, which causes your gums to bleed. Oh, which side? Mm -hmm. Two sides. No. Sapidna. That's real. So it's called sapidna, and it's discussing it in the context of uh, what you what you're you're allowed to violate Shabbat for it. You're not allowed to violate Shabbat because uh, it has to be a serious disease to violate Shabbat. So. What happens here is, and I have to find it myself. I'm out of mass here. One second. No idea what it's okay. I'm just going to use this piece to make it easier. So it sounds like this. We're starting on the left column um, because Hebrew goes from right to left. So we're starting on. You huh? just said gums. I don't see gums. No. not see it. Yeah, it starts with the throat, but then we'll get it. Oh, okay. Right. Um, actually, no. One second. I have to make sure which column comes first. Burnt gum syndrome. Uh, okay, so yeah, so the Gemara, um, again, trying to figure this out, because I made this last week, I don't remember how I did it. I'm sure. Okay, so now we're starting on the left column. Let's try it from there. So the Mishnah stated, Oidamar um, of Masya, the Masya said in the previous Mishnah, this is the Talmud, they said that um, if someone has a illness 
some, some pain in his throat. The assumption again is he's suffering from this disease called Tzapidna. We place medicine in his mouth on the Shabbat because there's a possible danger to life. So this is an important principle, parenthetically, nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But uh, on Shabbat, you can only violate Shabbat, obviously, for something that is a potential danger. You can't violate Shabbat because you have a headache or a migraine or something like that. Has to be something that there's a potential danger to life. So what's the medicine for migraines? Okay, I didn't say that. I didn't say anything about migraines in here. <coughs> oh, for any, medi- uh, for any no, no. condition. No, no, it's not so. You can take the medicine, but you can't make the well, medicine. Oh, make yeah. them. Yeah, so it's uh, we're not going there. medicine in his mouth. I'm no, saying. no. But this is tapitna. The Gemara is assuming that's what I'm showing you. The principle is anything from your teeth, your gums, and inside could be potentially dangerous to your life. Specifically, by the way, the Gemara talks about it, which is, is modern medicine does agree to some extent that teeth are signs of something else in the body. Usually if someone has teeth problems or gum problems, it could be signs of other illnesses, internal illnesses. Therefore, any internal illness is considered danger to life in Allah. You could violate Shabbat for that. What's considered internal from your gums and inward is considered internal. Okay. So that's the general principle, as opposed to if something happens here. I mean, obviously, someone gets stabbed in the heart, you can violate Shabbat. But usually, uh, things on the outside of your body, we're not so concerned about. Someone has a skin disease, so you can't violate Shabbat. Okay, so, so it's saying here, for Tzapidna, you may violate Shabbat. Now it discusses an incident that occurred, and this is the story we want to discuss, relevant to our topic. It says, Rabbi Yochanan, who's one of the uh, Tanaim, famous Tana, very uh, big rabbi at the time. So Chash Pitzabidna, he suffered from this Sapidna disease. You know Wake up, come on, get to go. Okay, Azal Gaba Dahimatrunusa. So he went to a certain um, non noble woman, that's usually the nice term that the Kamara uses for a non Jewish woman, a noble woman, is Roman, I guess, Roman noble woman, who she had the remedy for this disease. So she made some kind of potion for him that he should take on the fifth day of the week, on Thursday. Let's say he came on Wednesday. said, take an aspirin tomorrow, take this in the morning on Thursday, and take it before Shabbat. Um, and take it on Friday again. Okay, Amar Allah, he said to her, Shabbat may. What about on Shabbat? I need to, what am I going to do on Shabbat? Don't worry, you won't need the treatment. You'll be cured by Shabbat. Um, it should be gone by Shabbat. Okay, so take, you take this on Thursday, Friday, this medicine, you'll be totally fine with Shabbat. So he says, but let's say I'm stuck, I'm going to need it on Shabbat. You know, I can't come to you on Shabbat, you're closed. What do I need the treatment? So you got to tell me what, it, what to do, how to make this potion. So she said to him, she didn't want to give away the secret remedy. Okay, she'll lose her business. Right, like Teva and Lily and all the other companies. So what she says, she says, "Ishtabeli the Magalis, swear to me that you won't reveal it. I'll tell you the ra- I'll tell you the potion, tell you all the constituents of this medicine, but you have to swear to me that you won't reveal um, the remedy to anyone." So the, the pharmaceutical pricing is not a new concept. Yeah, Talmud has it right here. Concept of them raising the prices and being the sole proprietors of this medicine and not allowing any what's it called, Gen- generic drugs. So she too was concerned. Okay, she testified in front of Congress. So he, he then went ahead, the rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, went ahead and swore to the God of Israel that I will not reveal it. So he made, he took an oath. Okay, so seemingly on the surface, everything's good. He seems like he wants the, the remedy in case he needs it for Shabbat. 
So he took an oath not to reveal it. Um, what happens? Comes on Shabbat, every rabbi, sick or not sick, you got to give a sermon. So giving his share Shabbos afternoon. Okay, what happened? Nothing Darsha Bepirka. Went ahead on uh, Saturday afternoon, he's giving his class. He said, I just want to announce to the whole congregation, I have the remedy for Tzapitna, and this is what the constituents are. And he announced it for the whole shul to hear, the whole community to hear. Okay? So he obviously was an obvious problem. What's going on? He just took an oath and swore not to reveal it. You hear the problem? Anyone else with me here? Anyone? Yeah, what's going on? You hear the potential problem? Wait for the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> what's the bottom line? I don't know. We, we, who are you, who are you this is the bottom line. Uh, re, 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 okay, re, so he swore... The words. Oh. Yeah. So the Gemara asked the question by Ishtabala. He swore to her that he's not going to reveal it. What's going on? What is with this rabbi? Okay, he needs to be defrocked. So the Gemara answers, If you look at his words, look carefully at his words, he didn't swear not to reveal it. He said, uh, to the God of Israel, I won't reveal it. <laughs> to the people of Israel, <laughs> no problem. You know, it's the, right, so it's like when you're in grade school, right, you say, I, I promise. Right? Someone says, will you promise not to do it? I promise. Right? So he's, he played the same tr- trick here. He didn't say, I promise. He said, I promise. He oh, said, I, didn't say I promise. He said, I promise. No, you never, in, I guess in South Africa. Uh, I guess South Africa, they don't do that. In great school. He said it with his fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the point is, what? Okay. Right, so, no, so he said, I swore to the, that I won't reveal to the God of Israel, not to uh, the shul, of course, like the people in the community need to know the family. So you think God would hear? I mean, God did hear, but he's not revealing it to God. Oh, what do you mean, real? Good question. The Gemara says, but there's a desecration of God's name. People are like, it's embarrassing for a rabbi to do this in public. He takes an oath, and then he, then he says, oh, I was just joking. He's a made you look, guy. made you look. Like Yaakov. So, uh, so he says, the Gemara says, what happened is there's a concept, a very important concept in Jewish law called Chilul Hashem, desecrating God's name, where even if it's perceived you're doing something wrong, that's also a problem. You know, perception yeah, is reality, as we say in America. To think anyway. huh? Yeah, people will think what they want to think anyway. Yeah, but you have to be concerned about it. Judaism says it's not, it's not enough. Someone thinks you're unethical, even though you're ethical. You know you're doing the right thing. But people are perceived, perceiving you as not doing the right thing, says uh, Halacha, that's also prohibited. So the Rabbi thought he was doing the right thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying that's not enough. The Talmud's still asking. Even he if, he was, so. even if he's doing the right thing, the there's a problem thing. of desecrating God's name. That's the next <coughs> question. Because perception of doing the wrong thing is also right. problematic. And people see this big rabbi, a long white beard, a long black coat, and he's, and he's uh, doing, they perceive him as doing something unethical. So the Gemara says, the Megal No, he told her initially, right away, right after he made this shul, he told her right immediately, I really didn't swear, I just swore not to reveal to the God of Israel. Okay, so that's the nice story of Yochanan. So there's a lot of ethical ramifications to the story. Where For today, we're going to focus only on the violation of oath part, not on the whole bigger question um, of pharmaceutical pricing, etc. Um, do they have a right to, 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 you know, to keep remedies for themselves, etc. That's a different question, which maybe we'll discuss future class we have discussed in the past. But we want to focus on what's relevant, what we've been talking about the last couple of sessions, which is a violation of an oath when it comes to a patient, when it comes to 
revealing I, information. I missed where he revealed to her from the beginning that he had not made a binary oath. I kind of missed where he did that. Yeah. Well, the Gemara is telling you the background of the story. Shouldn't be, think it's a chalashem. Between the second and the third. I'm saying. Right. You, you read the story. There's no mention of him revealing yes, that. Then at the end, they say, "Oh, we reveal it." Otherwise, you wouldn't get to the punchline. If you say right away, the Gemara wouldn't have the question. Gemara is done. It brings a story that it has question and answer for. That's the way the Talmud works. It's called a Deus ex machina, where you painted yourself in a corner, and literally a machine descends from the top of the stage like God, lifts you out of that corner, and you're safe. It's the same sort of thing. Yeah, we didn't tell you that, but now we're telling you. No, he, he was very no, clear in so, Yeah. So the Gemara, that's the question. The Gemara asks the question, how could he violate the oath? So now the Gemara gets in, we'll finish the Gemara just for the sake of, in case you need to know the remedy of Tzavidna, discusses it. So my delay. what did she do for him actually? And then we'll get back to the topic. But the Gemara continues, what did she do for him? Amar um, he says, Mesar Shemen The remedy consisted of yeast water, olive oil, and salt. Doesn't seem very proprietary, but that's what uh, that's what it actually was. As you know, anyone who knows ingredients, the key is not always the ingredients, but how much of the constituents come in. Maybe that was the secret. He says no, it was something else. It was sour gufe, it was actually consisted of yeast itself, olive oil, and salt. Rashi Amar, Mishcha de Gadfa Dazvina, consisted of the fat of a goose's wing. Okay, so clearly a lot of people felt this during the class. There were different opinions to what he said during the share. Amar Abaya, Anna Avdi Lakulu, when I suffered from Sarpitna, I tried all these remedies, the law, Itasai, and none of them, um, but I was not cured. So at the end of the day, Medicine is all, all hogwash. Nothing, none of these work. Adam until a certain Arab merchant told me, I see kashiata dezesa, bring the pits of olives, moli tulsa, that did not grow a third, meaning small olive pits, uklinu benura and burn them in the fire on top of a new hoe, vaad bekei bechay, bechachay, can't read that word, bechachay dari, and then affix the ashes to a row of your teeth, of the Achivit Tayasa, and I did that, I was cured. That's another cure for Tzabidna, in case you wanted to know. The, the modern Hebrew word Tzabidna means scurvy. Okay, which was... There's a vitamin C deficiency. Is that dangerous? Yeah, it's fatal. It <coughs> fatal. bleeding blood. Okay, see that? So, so, uh, no, no, so scurvy no, is the... Uh, they're sitting in the Middle East, and nobody had an orange. Nobody ate an orange. That's a good point. But it says the throat. Yossi said no, gums. 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 It's throat. Yeah, but it's beans in your mouth. I was thinking diphtheria, maybe. Okay, so we might have it. Gamar says, what does it come from? Um, what does this disease come from? It comes from eating very hot wheat bread, mushiuri, kasa, dharna, or fried fish hash that's been left out overnight. I can do it. You ever try that? That's pretty bad. But what fish? Any fish that's been left out overnight, you should not touch. What's the symptoms of disease? He put something in his teeth and blood tissue, blood issues from the entire row of teeth. He said. Okay, so that's... Peditis. Scurvy, peditis, what do you say? Scurvy. I used to have bleeding gums. Yeah, that's because gum disease. Because food stuck in between my teeth. Okay, okay, two person. Not a person. That's where the expression limey comes from. Scurvy? 
Yeah. Yeah. British sailors, when they discovered the cure, they would take limes mm-hmm. on the ships. So they called limes. Have you seen the Pesach Kirby? Have you seen the Pesach Kirby? Have you seen the Pesach Kirby? Okay, so now we're going to stop here. Gets into the different the types of what's mm. permitted again on Shabbat, etc. Okay, so so that's the story. So there's a, there's multiple layers of problems with the story. Like I said, we're going to focus specifically on the issue of well, our question, which was the question of if one swears to his patient, um, he will only diagnose the patient as um, if the, if sorry. The patient makes the doctor swear to him or her. They'll only allow them to diagnose them and to do this test or whatever it is to see what ails them. Only if they swear not to reveal it, the diagnosis to anyone. Okay. So if the doctor swears, and now the question becomes: Can he violate his oath to reveal it um, in a case, let's say, where the person has uh, um, HIV, HIV, or the person has uh, what's uh, some kind of in the medical disease where they can't drive? What's the, what's it called again? Seizures. Seizures. Seizures epilepsy. Epilepsy. Right. Mm-hmm. Epilepsy. And now he has to tell the government or person's getting married. Okay, so we discussed before cases where, generally speaking, your oath, your your revealing the information would contradict your oath you took as a physician, general oath, which is not to reveal confidentialities. So here it's more specific yeah, where the patient, one second, where the patient made the doctor swear to them not to reveal the oath. So it's different than a general oath that you took of Hippocratic oath, but we said that's not a problem because again that Hippocratic oath was a contradiction to your obligations from the Torah. Yeah. Are you making a distinction between the oath and the law? The law of the land? No, we're not discussing the law of the land. You're just oath, because like oh, if you have a yeah. seizure, you are just talking legally halacha. obligated to. Uh, no, no, we're talking just talking halacha here. What halacha requires okay, you to so do? It does halacha that. allow you to violate the oath? The law of the land speak to your attorney, your insurance company. We're not discussing the law of the land. Because it does come up. Okay, yeah, the yeah, yeah, I understand, but that's not what we're discussing. People have instant reactions, and you say, I have to report this. Yeah, thing. but we're not discussing okay. what, what the law requires. We're discussing what halacha allows you or does not allow you to do. So again, so now, the simple interpretation, would, we would say here, just based on what we discussed in the last few weeks, again, since you cannot swear against the performance of a mitzvah, so the same would apply here. So, so the problem is this story of Rebel Yashiv when he when was posed with this question, real question from a doctor in 1981, asked him this question um, where, about a patient, a patient. Again, the doctor had sworn to the patient not to reveal, and the only way the patient allowed her him to diagnose her was based on this oath. So now the question becomes, um, does he have to go, let's say this case was the person couldn't see, was legally blind, does he have to tell the DMV about it, etc. So Rabbi said a fascinating thing. He brought a proof from this story. That's what we're going to focus on. He says, what's the Gemara's question here? He violated his oath, right? This what happened. Rabbi Yochanan swore to this woman he's not going to reveal the remedy. And then Gemara and then he went ahead and told it to everyone. So the, so the Gemara says, how could he violate his oath? So he says, what's the question? according to what we said, according to what we established, the principle is you can't swear against the mitzvah. So if he has an obligation to reveal, to help people get better, people who are deathly ill, this we're saying scurvy is a potential uh, life-threatening illness, so then he has an obligation to reveal it. M- meaning, meaning, his oath 
that he took to this woman, to this Roman noble woman, was not effective. Because we said, the principle is you can't swear against the mitzvah of the Torah. The mitzvah of the Torah says, when someone is ill, you have an obligation to heal them. So, of course his oath, of course his oath didn't take effect. Why is the Gemara questioning it and the Gemara has to give a different answer? The Gemara says, oh, he played a trick on her and he said the wrong language. He deceived her. He deceived her. Why did he have to say that? The Gemara could have said, very simply, or it's not a question, you can't swear against the mitzvah. So he says, you see from here the fact that he, the Gemara did not answer, and the Gemara had this question, how he was, why was he able to violate his oath? It's a proof that in this case, that principle is not applicable. The question is why. Yeah. So, but it's not only that violating oath, he actually, until you get the reveal at the end, that he's lying to her. He's stealing and lying to well, cure somebody. Stealing doesn't seem to be an issue here. That's he's stealing that's a formula again, for it to fit in yeah. Again, that's, not, that's a question. Is, first of all, is, is, is uh, what's it called when you have just knowledge? Um, Patents? Intellectual property. Intellectual property. Who said that's stealing? You're, you're making an assumption in Allah. Just because in American law it is, doesn't mean Allah considers okay, it stealing. So that's number one. So, secondly, again, if it's because nefesh, Stealing might be is permitted. That's what I'm asking you. So, but we're not addressing that. That's and he's not also the issue. lying. Again, the issue we're focusing on today is one issue: is is uh, is a violation of his oath. There are many other issues. There's a lot of things to discuss in the story. We'll get okay. to that. But today, we're going to focus on this one question of: Do you know, what happened to the principle we're discussing the last three weeks, which is you cannot take an oath against one of the 613 commandments. One of the 613 commandments is Rashi Vosol. You have to re- restore someone's health. There's an obligation to heal. So then, his, of course, his oath is not valid. He had an obligation to help all the people in the community with Sabedna. Just, just also yes. in the past... You hear, you hear the question. I understand. You also yes. made a Lefonecha argument. He's not announcing it to somebody who actually has Sabedna. That's a very He's good point. He's announcing it to the whole community, none of whom may have Sabedna. That's a good point. So we'll get that's a val- very valid that point. I thought that was in a remedy. It didn't work. No. The other guy says, listen, like every medicine, I've been taking many. Many people take many medicines, you're paying thousands uh, of dollars for them, yeah. and they don't work. That doesn't mean that it's not a remedy. It depends on the brain. You know, everything, everyone's body reacts differently. Uh, right, that's one of the problems with general medicine is that they don't act, as, doesn't do the same for everyone. So yeah. that's not a proof. You know, like all medicines today, only if you read the package, only only works for 10% Beware. of the people. Most medicines, if you read the fine print, say, in studies, it only works for 10% of people. You know, you take the oath with one idea in mind to maintain her uh, her privacy. Yes. But there's an, there's a, there was the other issue that came out of taking that oath that wasn't really intent of taking the oath was oh. saving other people. You want to yeah, so doesn't sta- you want matter to maintain her privacy, I mean, but you got the other. Uh, so you, you're asking a good question. So Does intent matter in an oath? That's a, that is a valid question. I, uh, we have to see. That's your question. Does intent matter? If I swear, I go to court and I say, I swear to hold, uh, tell, tell the, the truth. truth. Nothing but the truth. But I, I don't plan on telling the truth, so therefore my oath is not an oath. Of course not. I swore. Mm-hmm. You know, you can swear and then have in mind something else, in generally speaking. Right? Yeah, but, but this thing came about separately. Yeah. yeah, but again, you swore, you said enough, assuming he said the real words of the oath. He claims he didn't, but again, we're going, what's the Gemara's question? What's the Gemara's question? 
he violated an oath if we're saying the principle is any oath that goes against the Torah, a mitzvah, an, ab- an application of the Torah, automatically is not an oath. That's what we've been saying. So then why is this different? Says Rabbi Yashav, a fascinating thing. He says like this. This is not different. It is. We're saying here, the Gemara seems to, and doesn't give that answer that we've been saying for two weeks. Uh, he's not allowed to speak to the population. No, no, no. No. The Gemara asked the question, how was he allowed to violate his oath? What's the oh, question? How was he allowed to take He didn't. Oath? No. No. <laughs> Man, you had coffee today? Listen up. <laughs> How was he allowed to violate his oath? That's the Gemara's <coughs> question. The Gemara gives an answer. Oh, he, he tricked her. He deceived her in his, yeah, in his right. words. The question is, what's the, what's the original Gemara's question of why he was allowed to violate his oath? We said, the principle is any oath that you take that goes against an obligation in the Torah, which in yes, this case is an obligation to heal, so it's not an oath. So he didn't violate his oath. There was no problem. Right. Okay. That's the question. I, I did the circle and I came okay. around this way. So now okay. answers the answer is, so Rabbi says like this. He brings, says, you see from this Gemara that, you see from this Gemara that, that uh, there, w- there wasn't a violation of his oath. That his oath did take effect. Right? So he says, why? So he explains the fascinating. He says, when does this principle work of what we call Einish Bayan Ala Mitzvah? That means if I swear not to eat in my sukkah on sukkah. So I swear I'm not going to eat in the sukkah. The Torah says you have to eat in the sukkah when you eat bread on sukkot for the seven days of sukkot, right? So I swear, I swear I'm not going to put on tefillin. So you have an existing obligation. The Torah, you, at Sinai, you swore you will sit in your sukkah for these seven days and now, and eat in your sukkah, and now, 2,000 years later, you're swearing against what you swore 2,000 years ago at Sinai to eat in the sukkah. So I'm going to swear, I swear I'm not eating the sukkah. Or I swear, I'm going to eat a cheeseburger, okay? You swear it's not not to eat cheeseburgers. Remember? So, so therefore, that second oath can't take effect on the first oath. Why? Because the first oath supersedes. Because any time, if I swear I'm going to drink this water, and then I swear I'm not going to drink it, so I have to drink it. Because the second oath was nothing. Once the f- you already took an oath to drink it, you no longer can swear. It's not only relevant to mitzvahs. Any, what we call, ain't shvua chalal shvua. It means one oath cannot take effect on top of a, sec- of a first oath. So therefore, the second oath is invalid. It's always invalid. So the same thing. Anytime you swear against the mitzvah again, then the second oath, your oath is invalid because you already swore to do the mitzvah. And, uh, and the rabbinical laws are considered as though they were at Sinai according to what you just said. No, it's not rabbinical. That's The Torah talks about no, oaths. Cheeseburger There's is. criteria. Cheeseburger no, is. I'm not sure. Cheeseburger? If <laughs> you cook it together, it says, Do not cook a kid in his mother's milk. Yeah, Taking hot burger and hot cheese. That's Sorry. called, so that's it's, still a, it's a biblical prohibition. Everyone says the biblical prohibition. If, uh, if it's not hot enough, you're just putting the cheese afterwards. No, it's biblical. Not for now. Speak to your local Okay, man. but you know what I'm saying and I know what I you're know. saying. You don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm <laughs> saying it's biblical. It's 100% biblical, there's no question. Okay, ch- if it's a chicken parmesan, it's rabbinical. That's true. But beef okay, is a... Okay. Well, okay. Let's confuse Jimmy. So now, he says, so that principle only applies when there's an existing obligation. He's saying, what's the case here? If you look at the story, Yochanan comes to this woman. He doesn't know the cure for tzapidna, right? He doesn't know any cure to help people now. So at this point, he has no obligation to heal anyone. Right? He could only heal someone. If I don't know how to swim, I have no obligation to jump in and save someone. Now, first of all, that would be stupid. Right? So right, if, I'm, if I don't know the Heimlich, I don't have an obligation to do the Heimlich on someone. I don't know how to do it. If someone's choking, so if you know the Heimlich, you now have a biblical obligation to do the Heimlich on them. If, someone, if you don't know the Heimlich, you have no obligation. You can sit and eat your meal, wave to the guy and smile. Right? You have no obligation whatsoever. 
Okay, so you only have an obligation to heal, and this goes for medical professionals or not, or lay people, it's the same obligation, as we said. Torah never hardly differentiates between professionals and non-professionals. If you can help a guy and save a guy's life, or heal them, then you have an obligation to heal them. If you don't have that information, you have no obligation to heal them. So he's saying at the time that, he's, that he comes to this, this Roman noble, and he says to her, I, tell me the cure for Tzapidna, and she says, you have to swear to me, when he takes that oath, that oath is not going against, at the point he's taking the oath, he doesn't have any information to heal someone. So he's saying, therefore, at that point, his oath is not going against the mitzvah of the Torah. The mitzvah, again, is Hashivosalah, let's say. We're talking about return, you have an obligation to heal someone. That's only if you have the information. As long as I don't have the information, at this point, I don't have an obligation to heal. So therefore, my, my oath that I'm taking is not contradicting any existing obligation that I have. What he's saying is, in other words, is you could only, your oath is not valid if there's an existing obligation. 2,000 years ago, Thomas said, I have to sit in a sukkah on this day. I cannot eat the cheeseburger. I, can, I have to put on tefillin today. So that, I can't swear against that existing obligation. But if I don't have the obligation yet, okay, there's no obligation, by the way, in the Torah to go to medical school. We discussed this in the past. Or Moshe Feinstein has a tshuva. He says, listen, if you're a coin, you can't, uh, you can't go to medical school because of any economy. Um, yeah, so why? Because you have to cut up dead bodies, as we discussed. That's prohibited for Kohenim. So a Kohen can't become a doctor. He says, what do you mean? Pikuach Nefesh. People say, oh, Pikuach Nefesh. No, it's not Pikuach Nefesh. Pikuach Nefesh means once I'm a, I have the ability to heal, I can violate any law in the Torah in order to save someone's life. But there's no obligation, you can't, to go to medical school. I don't have to, there's no obligation for every Jew to go there. Some people think there is. Some mothers, some Jewish mothers. But most, <laughs> most, the, the, the Ramosha Feinstein says there's no obligation to learn how to heal. There's a mitzvah. If you can heal the person, then I have to heal him. But I don't, so it's the same thing here. He's saying, this guy, he didn't know the, the, the remedy for tzapitna. So right now he has no mitzvah to help people who have tzapitna. Only after she reveals the information, then will he have that information. Now he has an obligation to help people. But his oath was a valid oath. Understand? Because at the time he took the oath, there was no existing obligation Except at this so point. He did the oath with the intention of breaking it when he found yeah. it. That's something else. That's the Gemara's question. How could he violate his oath? Yeah, exactly. He's explaining why the Gemara has a question to begin with. Why? What do you mean? There's no violation of the oath. He's explaining, no, there was a violation of the oath here if he would have took it properly and not deceived her. Why? Because at the point he took the oath, his oath was not contradicting any mitzvah in the Torah at that point because he didn't have a cure. He, and the only way he could get the cure was by taking the oath. <coughs> so his oath, on the contrary, is, is, is not against the Torah. It's, go, it's helping him be able to get a cure to, do, to now do a mitzvah in the future of healing people. Even though he's not obligated to do that at this point. That's <laughs> very <laughs> circular reasoning, especially in a system. Very circular reasoning. What if, what if she gives him the wrong system that yeah. builds fences around the Torah? This is it's like saying you might be uh, saying something truthful, but if people perceive it as being untruthful, yeah, that's Chilul Hashem. So here saying, all right, I want to get this cure, so I'm going to lie to get it. So, so again, that's a different question. That's Gemara is addressing that okay. question, but all we're right. answering what happened to the principle we discussed in the last three weeks, which is you can't an oath against the mitzvah is a non-valid oath. He's saying no. In this case, that wouldn't be applicable because his oath wasn't contradicting any existing obligation that he had. That's what the, that's what he's saying, and therefore, 
it wouldn't be applicable in that case. So he wants only to. Be, only uh, because uh, of in the time of the oath. Only said, right, exactly. Because at the time of the oath, that he didn't have any obligation to heal people with sepsis because he didn't have, he didn't have, didn't have the ability. Exactly. If you don't have the ability, you can't have the obligation. That's a little strange. I mean, here's the oath sitting right in front of him. And here is the cure sitting right in front of him. So the only way he can get the cure is with the oath. I understand. The only way you can get it is to take the oath. Yes. Whereas, I mean, this is really very circular. It's called Talmud. And then yeah. the issue is Talmud if they violate an oath, the good question was, well, maybe he didn't even violate the oath in the first place because... Right. But we've gone beyond that. He said, yes, he did violate right, the oath. That's now the question. question. Right. How could he violate the oath? Why did he violate the oath? Right. And now the Gemara says he revealed to her from the beginning no, that meaning he, that he that meaning that's why it's not a chel Hashem. I have another question. He's desecrating, you know. He's, he's making yeah. embarrassment for rabbis, you know. He, you know, he's walking around. He deceived this this noble woman. That's called a chel Hashem. So that's a different answer. He told he, her before. He, he told her not before. He told her right as he took the oath. You know, right after the oath. By the way, I didn't say that. I said this. So, so far, I, not I, ma I made you look. Sniff test. <laughs> okay. So what else bad? She wants to trip him up, right? She gives him the wrong. Information. Now he reveals it. What if? And, and, what he, if and it's a, not the right you know, thing. Now, now she has the case. What if? And, hey, and the guy. Say what have to do with this? Done. You know. Yeah, hey, said, what oh, if know uh, he Jews. tripped and fell and? This guy's lying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So so now we're not discussing what ifs. A lot of what ifs. Okay. So now so now getting back to the original question that was posed here, meaning so Rabbi Yashiv wants to apply the same reasoning to this case. He says this doctor, this patient is walking to his office. Okay, so if he already knows the doctor, he knows she has uh, AIDS, like we said, HIV, whatever the case is, or the person has epilepsy, he already knows that, and now he swears not to reveal it, so that would be applicable. His second oath of not revealing it would not work in that case. The oath can't be valid because he's swearing against saving the community or in this or saving the partner, saving the person from having a car accident, whatever the case is. But here the case is, he's saying the woman came into the office, tells him the doctor prior to the diagnosis, I'll only let you do this test on me to figure out what illness I have, only if you swear not to reveal it. So he's saying it's the same thing as this case in the Gemara. In this case, since at the time he took the oath, the doctor, the oath is a valid oath because it's not contradicting anything that already exists, an existing obligation. He doesn't know what she has. She might have a headache. Okay, he doesn't know what she has. Maybe she's pregnant. Maybe she's, uh, you know, she's in a bad mood. He doesn't know what, what the problem is here. So, therefore, at that point in time, when he takes the oath not to reveal it, he says it's not a contradictory oath. Therefore, in this case, Rabbi Yashif ruled the doctor is bound by his oath. And he wouldn't be able to reveal it, technically, unless he does what's called hatarat. Uh, you have to be made for Yeshua. That means you have to go to a group of rabbis, three judges, it doesn't have to be rabbis really, and you have to tell one of them why it wasn't a valid, why if you would have known at the time you took the oath, it, it, uh, this new information, you wouldn't have taken the oath and they could annul the oath for you. Okay, but without that he says you can't go ahead and reveal it to the DMV, in this case that she's legally blind. Yeah. So this is a question of when you know what the diagnosis is. I'll give you a case. I had a 15-year-old girl come in Hadn't had a period for a few months. Her mother's there, wants to know why the girl isn't having a period. Her grandmother come with, comes with the, the three of them in the room. She says, I'm sure she's pregnant, the grandmother says. Mm -hmm. I, of course, check with Alan. The handy rule of thumb is, first and foremost, a woman misses her period, no matter what the actual diagnosis, you assume she's pregnant. Yeah. So, 
Do you know she's pregnant? Can you make that? I uh, hear the basically girl no, say, I'm told, not, Listen, until you take you know, the pregnancy test, you're I, not going to know. The girl sure. said, I'm not going to tell you I had sex until you swear you're not going to tell anybody. You know, it's, Again, until you know a fact. What's anyway, knowing? you can reveal. I'm already assuming this girl's pregnant. Assuming is nothing. You can't make assumptions in medicine and reveal information based on assumptions, right? You're not going to go and tell the mother she's pregnant until you take a pregnancy. It's the same thing here. Yeah, yeah, you don't know the cure yet, but you're about to find it out. Yes, exactly. So that's why the oath Uh, could be valid at that point. We're not discussing (laughs) ethics here. We're discussing law. The question is, is the oath a valid oath? Not a question. We're not discussing small tests. The issue, as you know, halacha is nothing. Halacha and ethics it's, are not necessarily it's, it's criminal one and the or same. Civil so, law. I mean, it was a question of was his oath a valid oath? That's the question. So we're saying, prior to him being to being exposed to the information and having that knowledge, the oath will be valid because at this point he has no obligation to reveal. Just like you're saying, it's an assumption I can't reveal. You know, if I assume something, I can't go and ruin someone's uh, marriage or something like that based on assumption. I need to ascertain the facts. When you address the question, did the guy actually do a good thing? Which guy? Guy. Which guy? Rabbi Yochan? Yeah, Rabbi Yochan. Yochan is not a big guy. It's a big guy. A doctor wins and says, yeah, I swear I won't tell anybody. Knowing full well, as soon as he finds out, he's going to tell. Yeah. No, well, in this case that wasn't the case. In this case, he came and asked the rabbi, and is my oath valid or not? He didn't. Yeah. He didn't have any mind Please to tell before. We can get to that case, but oh, in this yeah. case, that wasn't the case. In this case, the case was does he swore. The whole thing does the smell. Smell. We're not discussing smelling. We're not discussing smell, as I said. Discussing halacha. Okay. It's a legal. It's a legal question. No, we, we don't like Allah to do... It doesn't to, matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's not a question to be asked. You're absolutely, about you're right. And the law also uh, doesn't have to be uh, according to what we think is ethical. If they do thorough due process, they wouldn't hold you on that. An no, assumption. No. Okay, so now... Um, so that's case number one. As long as I'm, as long as I'm, as long as I'm, so what was the answer? Is he guilty? So again, so Rabbi Yashav ruled in this case. Okay, Rabbi Yashav ruled. Was there one of the biggest postcom at the time in Israel? No, he yeah, died around yeah, ten years ago. Rabbi Yashav ruled like this. He said, therefore, he ruled in this case since again the oath was not invalidated because um, um, because it didn't go against any specific mitzvah at the time he took the oath, right? Because if he wouldn't, and not only that, if he wouldn't have sworn, he wouldn't be privy to the information. So he needs to, meaning, well, meaning even the smell test is very important to understand. Is, and this is what maybe Shelley was addressing, and, and Manny, you, is the issue here, meaning should I say I'm not going to diagnose her? What's better? Should I swear? You know, otherwise the patient's going to walk out of his office. Uh, right? yes, sir. So, so is it better the patient leaves and doesn't get diagnosed and now no one knows she's legally blind, she's going to continue driving? Or is it better I diagnose, That's swear? That's worthy of discussion. Second? Is it better I take an oath, swear, and then be able to diagnose her properly and then perform the proper treatment or reveal the proper information. You can't so just discount that possibility. Yes. You can't just discount that. Yes, so that's you my question. Maybe so, so I'm saying, so Rabbi Yashin is can't saying swear to that. ethically, listen, I, 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 I can swear to that as long as it's not uh, so, contradicting so, so something. So Rabbi Yashin is saying here, therefore it's important. That's the proper way to do it. <laughs> okay, you yeah. Stop. Yes, it now, is. the question yes. again. So the qu- again. Rabbi Yashif seems to be saying, ethically speaking, and we missed, we addressed the question, but you left 
to speak to your to stack if, you, if you're intelligent enough you can drive um, while you're legally blind let's 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 uh, let me talk a second so the, the point here is Oyasha does address the ethical issue he says on the contrary here by taking meaning the question again is this woman walks in his office she will not be diagnosed and we won't know what's ailing her and she might be a danger to society as she is in this case because she's legally blind because only if I take the oath not because but only if I take the oath so therefore my taking the oath in essence is is an objective here that's the question should a doctor say no I'm not going to take any oaths you leave my office and then she goes back in the street and she kills the next uh, she kills the next person driving or is it better for him to take an oath and then, in, in this case, we we'll say maybe end up violating his oath in order to prevent this danger to society. So I think, actually, it is addressing the ethical issues here in that sense. So Yashub Sak is very clear. He says, since in this case, on the contrary, by taking, normally, your oath is going against the Torah. He's saying here, if anything, your oath is helping because now, because I took the oath, I'm going to be, be able to diagnose her illness and help her be ill. So therefore, so if anything, the oath in this case is a good thing. Okay. So he's saying help her and maybe help the community. Yes. Both, either one. Okay. Either Can I violate the oath to help the community. So See, again, so now if it's because Nefesh, really there's no God question God about sh- when he finished my statement. Religion, like, let me finish like my statement. Priest's confession then to a priest that I'm going to no, kill that guy. Okay. So Whoa. so now the again the the what was your question? The, the, can you violate the oath in order for for matter? No. So if it's there's no question. You can violate any law of the Torah, as we know, except the big three. Oath is not one of the big three. It's a big one, but it's not one. Of, so therefore, if it's a question of saving someone's life, there's no question you can violate it. Mm-hmm. Question is, if it's not, you know, if it's like borderline, like in this case, for example, he discusses here. He gets into a lot of detail. Not, we're not going to get into all the detail because I don't know enough about vision. But so let's say. You know, they wor- he has a government job where the government requires you to have this. This he works for for FedEx. Okay, he's delivering packages. FedEx requires all their drivers to have uh, whatever I don't know anything. Have numbers and vision work, but a certain level of vision. Yes, yeah. But it's not really dangerous. They they set the bar very high for their drivers, but legally, meaning or let's say as as far as defining a danger to society, you know, he's still fine driving. Probably eighty percent of the people out there are driving like this. So that's where it becomes a question. Do I tell FedEx? We do. That's a di- also a different question of losing his parnasa. So he gets in this the case that we were discussing here. It's actually where the vision wasn't legally blind, but was but again, if someone is a danger to society, there's no question. If it's a real pikoch nefesh, if it's a defined danger, an objective danger, everyone agrees this person is a danger either because they have a STD or whatever the case is. Mm. Um, there's no question you can reveal it. That would override the shul. Question becomes when it's not really a danger. It's just a question of preventing a bad relationship like so we discussed. I have, I, to, I have to... So that's the question, is the oath valid? No. Yes. Now that's what right. I have to do, I took an oath and now I have to take another oath which I'm going to lie on to FedEx that he is okay to drive. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't. FedEx is not necessarily asking you. Your question FedEx should I go... A report. Oh, okay. So that's a good question. Right. So, so we that's a good question. How that would work? The question, another question, really is: Should you have someone lose their job because uh, because of your diagnosis? I mean, do you have a right to do that? Just, just because FedEx set these very high standards, should well, I make him lose my job? They lose their so this job. Is, right. This is the equivalent of 
generally you shouldn't lie, but if somebody's chasing somebody... A lie, somebody, oath, I don't sure. Much I serious, much more serious than a lie. Kind of generally you shouldn't lie, but if somebody's chasing somebody with a gun, they say, which way to go, and you don't tell them where they're going, because right. you're saving their life. It's the same sort of thing, that you need to... Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to be the next question. But here, there you're clearly <laughs> lying. Here you say you're not even violating an oath. That's what he's saying. You're not violating no, an oath. No, on the contrary, he says you are. This oath okay. does take effect, and therefore you have to get it annulled before you can go ahead and reveal the information. Normally you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. If it's because of for sure you wouldn't. And even in a case normally where you swore against the mitzvah, you already knew the illness, not assumed, where you knew factually this person had HIV, there's no question in that case you have to, you have to reveal it because your oath went against the obligation of the Torah to reveal it. But in this case he's saying your oath was valid, did take effect, because you didn't have any obligation at the time of the oath. That's what he's saying, and therefore you have to be annulled in this specific case. Okay, there's, so there's two types of cases. You have to understand when you're taking the at the time when you're taking the oath, just like Rabbi Yochanan, did you have an obligation to reveal, or did you not have an obligation? Or, or did you have an obligation to heal, whatever the obligation might be? I was asking a lot of your average Jewish doctors in that time, say, I'll get back to you on that one, but you didn't check with that's my why, rabbi. That's why you have rabbis. <laughs> this doctor asked the rabbi. Can you hold on a second? I'm calling Rabbi. Because he couldn't make a definitive answer, and then he knows for next time. Yeah, but the the problem is all these issues come up for the first Mm -hmm. time, and you need to have an answer now. Because usually, yeah, I'm not going to tell you the diagnosis, which I need to know right away, unless. You swear to me. Excuse me a second, I need to make a phone call. I'll tell you something, this kind of thing also over, 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 over time, um, people lose confidence in the uh, discretion of their doctors. And rabbis. Hmm? And, and rabbis. And rabbis yeah. All they have to do is read the HIPAA Act and they'll lose confidence. <laughs> Yeah, and there's still the issue of you violating. You have to tell everybody. There's still the issue of matter of dress, which is if you do this, even though you're you're halachically or solid, you may still lose your job or get sued. That's a different question. Right, different question. Totally different question. Yes. Um, So, so by the way, there's also for the rabbi's sake, meaning and the doctor's sake, is when you're allowed to know. Again, (coughs) knowing an oath is not just. It has to be valid grounds for annulling the oath. So again, if it's because nefesh, the bottom line is in all of this, if someone took an oath or even your hypocritical, it's best, even what we said in the other classes, it's always best to go and get the oath annulled that covers your ground um, in either case. So now, um, ex- except again, if it's because nefesh, technically uh, do whatever you have to do. So now he's so a, uh, yeah. Sorry to, to hop on this, I know it's not our, uh, our field, but the priest has taken an oath to to uh, to maintain the confidence of the uh, confession. I can't answer the question. We don't dabble in that religion, but it's obviously it's obviously very uh, uh, prevalent in our society. Speak, speak to your local priest. And that's the thing that comes up <laughs> yeah. in court. If you're a Jewish medical school student <laughs> and you uh, have to take a, this phony Hippocratic oath at the beginning or end of medical school, whatever the phony. school he goes. Yes, none of it has phony. anything to do with the real Hippocratic oath. Phony or phony? Phony. Okay. <laughs> uh, as a general rule, you just not do it? <sighs> Listen, if, it's, if you have to do it, you can do it. We're saying what we learned last week from uh, many, including uh, Rabbi Waldenberg and Rabbi Black, both say, you know, it's not a contradiction. You don't have to worry about it. We discussed that last week. Now your universities get smart, and they don't—they don't train you 
in the dark. Well, you field, got you know? other topics. No, you got to stick to the topic. <laughs> I mean, it is sort of a problem because the stuff. oaths you were asked to take now are so vague and bland they don't really bind you to anything. Okay, so there's no problem. That's, yeah. that's actually what Rabbi Black says. Rabbi Black says the Hippocratic language of the oath is you shall not divulge what should not be heard or something, uh, what's not proper to be heard. So, so he says, let me explain, so Rabbi Black says, therefore, if you look at the language, it's not a problem because Halacha says this is proper to be revealed, so therefore it's not a contradiction. So he says the whole issue is not no, a non-issue. Like the Hippocratic like you're saying, says, It's so vague that it's not a non-issue. So it's a very specific thing. I won't have sex with my patients, I won't do okay. abortion. But modern olds don't say that. They say I'll have respect okay. for okay, patients. We, had, we discussed the Hippocratic Oath. That was last week. We're going to stick you don't want to hear this. Today's topic. This again is more <laughs> personal prayers. More personal oaths. Sorry. Not prayer. my patients in the okay. So, um, so well, now take, what? Well, does, well, let's just get back to the Gemara a second. So he brings here other answers, meaning the question is, well, Yashiv is basing this whole ruling on the fact that the Gemara asked the question, how, why is he in violation of his oath? Maybe there's other reasons why... How could he violate... No, it's not why is he in violation. The Gemara asked the question, how could he swear falsely? How could he violate his oath? That was the Talmud's question. Based on that question, Rabbi Yashav is assuming the reason why, the, why he took... An, why uh, it was a valid oath was because of this principle. So he gives here another t- uh, two reasons, at least, as to... Uh, why the oath would still be valid. So he says, number one is, um, we have something called, what's called a shvua kolo, which means, even if I'm taking, let's say I'm, if the classical case would be actually, on Pesach, the Shulchan Aruch discusses a case where someone, let's find where it is, Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law, discusses a case like this, someone swears not to eat matzah on Pesach, okay? So that, as we said, is a oath against the Torah. The Torah says you have to eat matzah on Pesach. True? Yes. Now, but what's interesting is that if you look carefully at the Torah, the Torah doesn't, the obligation to eat matzah is only the first night, it's only at the right. Seder. The rest of the days of Pesach, let's say I say I hate, uh, I'm on a gluten-free diet, I don't want to touch matzah, okay, I want to lose weight, matzah, and it makes me constipated, and there's a lot of problems with matzah. So, you don't have to eat matzah. There's no mitzvah to eat matzah. There's no obligation. Torah says if you can eat bread, you can't eat bread on Pesach. You have to eat matzah. So, but the, ob- the obligatory matzah is only at the Seder. That means only at the Seder I have to eat a kezayis, an olive's volume of matzah. Torah says on that night to commemorate what happened in Egypt, you have to eat matzah. Okay? So we'll eat it says eat unleavened bread for it. Yeah, meaning if you're going to eat bread, you have to eat unleavened bread. Oh, I don't have to eat bread. If I only eat uh, quinoa, I'm fine. Oh, quinoa is questionable if it's kosher basil. <laughs> if I only eat uh, kale... Quinoa is not kosher? Uh, no, I didn't say it. Kosher is not rice? Not for now. Okay, so now again, so let's listen to the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch says, let's say someone swears not to eat matzah on Pesach. Is that a valid oath or not? Says the Shulchan Aruch, <coughs> If a person just says, I swear not to eat matzah, on Pesach. On Pesach. So in that case, he says it's prohibited to eat matzah at the Seder. His oath is valid. Okay? Um, it is prohibited. It, it's prohibited. It means his oath is a valid oath. And we'll explain in a second why. So he says, depends, it's semantics, depends on how he says the oath. But if he swears I won't eat matzah on, the, on Pesach night, meaning at the Seder, 
Loka, then it's, that's a violation because he swore against the Torah of the his second oath is not valid. So it depends how you say it, says the Shulchan Aruch, like this. If I say, generally speaking, I won't eat matzah on Pesach, so that's your oath um, is, is valid and therefore you can't eat matzah at the Seder that year. You're stuck because you have a valid oath unless you go and again annul your oath somehow. But if I say specifically I won't eat matzah at the Seder, I swear not to eat matzah at the Seder, then your oath is not valid. Why? If I, cause, cause you're, if I swear not to eat matzah at the Seder, I'm contradicting what the Torah says. The Torah says I have to eat matzah at the Seder. But if I swear a general, like you're saying, a vague term, which says, generally I'm not going to eat matzah. Nothing to do with on Pesach, but that includes obligatory times and non-obligatory times. Meaning Pesach includes the Seder, where I have to eat matzah, and that's go, that part is going against the Torah, but it also includes other times where you're not contradicting what the Torah says. Because I'm saying I'm not going to eat it for the whole eight days of Pesach. So that's called what we call shvula, shvula hakolo. Kolo means it's inclusive. It has in it, a bl- it has in it something that's against the Torah and not against the Torah. It has two parts. So part of your oath works. So once part of your oath works, the whole oath takes effect. That's what the Shulchan Aruch is saying. So therefore, this is the complicated laws of oath. So therefore, not, not passing the sniff test. It's not. Shelly, you need to get a legal mind. You need to go to law. We're not, we're it's not, not a dogs. bad sniff. We're not discussing sniff. ethics this here. We're discussing what is the, the criteria for a valid oath. It's nothing to do with ethics or non-ethics. The issue is not ethics. The issue is what when the Torah says you can't know that contradicts the Torah, it doesn't work. We need to understand the legal criteria. So don't get philosophically. There's no distinction between legal and ethic. Ethical. Again, so you, the issue here. Yeah, is halacha doesn't yes, make a distinction between legal right. and ethical. So the same. I have a problem. I have to go and do. What, what, you're talking about in the context of Pesach. What's unethical? He's taking. He says he took. Uh, he went to Weight Watchers. And they made him take an oath that he will not eat any gluten, any anything that has more than cow. So why, what's unethical? Anything about? good. Why, why bring ethics into this? There's nothing to do with so, ethics. So what are you talking about? It's nothing to do with that. Halakha is all about no, ethics. No, no. This has nothing to do with ethics here. The question is, we're not saying, should he have made the shua? We're not discussing, did he do the right thing? Did he do the, should he go to Weight Watchers? Should he go to, uh, should he be on Whole30? That's not the issue here. We're not discussing his ethics here. We're discussing, is this is the case. A guy did this. Is his oath take effect or did it not take effect? That's the question. A very simple legal question here. Can he eat matzah at the Seder, or can he not eat matzah? Well, I'm just disagreeing. It does not seem you to me like a simple legal question. Not, that's the question here. God did X. What's the halacha? Is his oath valid or is it not valid? So We're not discussing. He, should he have done it? Should he go to his grandmother? Should he visit it? It's not the issue. What if he does eat matzah on the Seder? So he violated his oath. Well, which case? In which case? In, in the club. <laughs> the, the right. With the shvua kolo, that means he said, if he said... Yeah, yeah, in that case it took effect and therefore his oath was valid and if he eats matzah, he gets malchus. He needs lash. So he gets lashes. So he gets uh, lashes. You get more, you get more, Not today, don't worry. more, more, more malchus if you don't eat it? Or oh, eat so, it? so now you have a problem, right. So, so, so that's why you need to go and be matzah. So some, sure, no, some prices are worth paying. He gets the 30 lashes. And he saved someone's okay, life. Okay. Right? We're talking oaths today. Today, oaths, because we only have five minutes. I want to get to the other case. So, says, says uh, Zilberberg in this book, he says, so therefore, maybe when he, so going back to the case of Rabbi Yochanan, he says, he says, um, he says, you can answer that Rabbi Yochanan took an oath to this woman not to reveal the secret. Also, he didn't say specifically to people that had submitted. What are we saying? There's an obligation, there's a biblical obligation. Listen to this fascinating thing. He's saying there's a biblical obligation to heal sick people. 
That's uh, if I know the information, I have to tell them the information that they can heal themselves. But he didn't take his oath. Said I'm not going to reveal, generally speaking, the recipe. He didn't say specifically to sick people. So therefore, his oath includes also not revealing it to other people. So now it becomes what's called a shvuat kolo. It's all inclusive, and that's why it's a valid oath. That's another answer he gives. That's answer number one, and answer number two really. And another answer he says, he says. Um, this is your answer, by the way, Shelly. He's addressing that. Not ethical. He says like this. He says, Shelly mentioned before, we have a concept to heal people when, when I have a patient in front of me who's sick. He, what, he, what happened here is he didn't ever swore not to reveal to a specific patient. If he says, I swear not to reveal to this other guy, my friend who's standing outside, who also has subpoena, I'm not going to reveal to him. So that would be an issue because that's contradicting the Torah. He has an obligation to help his friend get healed. This guy's going into the shul on Shabbos. Yeah, some people might be some old lady in the back has the bidna. He doesn't. He's not aware of any specific patient who has the bidna. Like I have no obligation AIDS. to go and publish articles on medicine that can maybe heal like a patient. Like a guy with Africa. HIV, it makes you swear you won't tell his wife. Yeah. That would be a specific kind of thing you're talking about. Not the yeah. general. I won't right, reveal. Exactly. I won't no, tell or, but he's saying is even in this case, if I have, I'm privy. I, 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 I hacked into Teva's uh, computers or Lily, and I got the recipe for this medicine. Okay, got the constituents. Do I have a, an obligation now to save the world by by releasing the information? No. There's no mitzvah like that. The mitzvah is someone comes in front of me who has cancer, and I have the cure for cancer. I have to, I have to reveal it to them. But if to, to, to just, mm -hmm. I happen to be privy to medical information, do I have an obligation to go and publish and hang up signs all over and send emails to the whole world? No. If you know of a specific person who has that disease. So he's saying, therefore, his shvua was not to reveal it to anyone. But then he violated his oath by telling the congregation. Rabbi. That's the whole Gemara's world. Answer. That's Gemara's question. You follow the logic? That's why right. the Talmud asked the question. Valid, that's why he violated. Yes, that's why he had the answer. He he didn't use. The, he he tricked you. I, he made you look. Made you look my penny book. That was his answer. But I didn't say. I didn't say. I said I'm not going to reveal to the God of Israel. That's exactly why we need that answer. Oh, we're getting back to the question of the person no longer working for Teva. The God of Israel. The very yes. first question. I want to get back to that we, question. We, we know that's a whole different class. So Can you God reveal information? Um, intellectual no, property. We have to be. Then again, it's another class. No, we'll be there next week. Not next. I don't know if we could be here next week. We'll discuss the God of Israel. I'm going to be a specific uh, person, not a colonist. Uh, person, person, not a person with you. No, no, no. That's that's the again. You're mixing up the original question. Why is the oath valid to begin with? Then the Gemara asks because the Gemara is assuming it's valid. That's the question. Why is it valid? Swearing against the Torah. The Gemara answers. The Gemara. So we answer, That's our answers. We're giving why it's not valid. The Gemara asks, assuming it is valid. The Gemara says, how can he violate his oath? That's because he, he didn't he didn't use the proper words in the oath. Two, you know, mixing up two parts. You got to keep track. You can't, you very sneaky. Very okay. sneaky. So I'll tell you two other things. Just to say two other questions. We're not going to have time to address. Is one is he says. So this is the next question he discusses here. Uh, another case where uh, someone was ill with cancer, and they asked the doctor not to reveal um, their illness. Sorry, he sw the swore, meaning he diagnosed this patient has cancer. Patient says, "I want you to tell me all the every last detail, all the truth." He felt like the patient, if he tells the patient all the truth about the diagnosis that the person only has three months to live, and you get depressed, and it's going to cause major depression, etc. So he swore not. He swore that he's going to tell the patient everything, but now 
he doesn't want to tell the patient, doesn't want to keep his oath because he feels it would cause major depression to the patient by revealing it. So that's question number one. Um, another question, and then I have time to address these, a similar question is like this. He has a case where a guy comes to the hospital, um, a patient in the hospital, and he has to give some type of, um, he has to stick, I guess, a trach or whatever it is, maybe even start a line into the guy, into the guy's throat, he says. And he says, the, the, as we know, doctors aren't very good at that many times. He says he tried many times to, to, make, to put in the trach or whatever, to find his trach, but he couldn't, he didn't get it right. So finally, and it's very painful, so the patient says, like, listen, after the fifth try, the patient tells the doctor, the patient's screaming and says, that's it, I can't accept it, I can't do this anymore. I don't, you know, I'd rather die, I don't want to get healed. I'm sure you've had this experience. Patients... Um, right, so he's saying, hey, stop, stop, you know, breaking me, it's enough already. So the, 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 the physician, he says, wants to calm down the patient, so he swears to him that he's only, he's not going to do more than 15 tries. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes an oath. And he's done 14. Okay, so now he swore to the patient, he's not, this is a real case. Right? He's not going to try more than 15 times. He'll stop at 15. And the patient calmed down. Okay, so you gave him his word. He swore not to swear. Now, he's on his 15th time. It didn't work. Wait. So the question is, can he do a 16th shot? No. Can he try 16? No. So what would you say? Yeah, no. for sure. Time to call it if you can't get it by 15, you sure. can get it on yeah. 16. Okay, that's a different <laughs> question. We're not discussing the long. skills of the, pay, of the doctor. We're discussing, yeah, we'll can he violate his oath that he swore to the patient? It doesn't say. He's trying to give him something through his throat. I don't know. Presumably, if it's a needed procedure, yeah, he's obligated to try or get somebody else to try. Mm -hmm. He should get somebody yeah, else to try. We know that. We know that. But the question is, okay, is he allowed to do the 16th time? He shouldn't be allowed to. He shouldn't be allowed 12. No, yeah. If the patient is dumb enough to say, okay, 15 times I'll let you try. Another one, what's the big deal? Who's counting? How can you miss on 15? We're not going to go through the whole thing, but he discusses that. It's very proud that this is the question before. It's sort of like if I swore, am I an onus? I mean, if I took an oath under duress so to speak. Is that a valid oath? That's a new question here, which is, in some puts a gun to you and says, swear to me, you no, do this. No, so that's not. So th here, the question is this called, he did it under duress. The guy was going crazy. He had to calm down the patient. Is that called an oath under duress or not? He goes through that whole topic. Uh, and we're not going to do it today.